0: The Gym Channel podcast, bringing you the big picture on geoscientific information management through interviews and discussions. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Acquire's podcast, The Gym Channel. I'm Sarah Mitchell, your host today, and I'm joined by Misha Stacker. Hi, Misha. Hello. And our guest is uh, Federico Arboleda, Acquire's commercial product manager. He's based in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Federico is involved in developing the commercial strategy and development of Acquire Software products. Hi, Federico.
1: Hola. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Appreciate it. Fed, tell us a little bit about your background. Um, I guess I started my career as a, as a geologist in exploration. Um, I was logging core in Niger. Is kind of the story I always tell to explain how I got into computers. And one night the computer died. Nobody knew how to fix it. My boss, for some reason, allowed me to give it a try. I fixed it, and since that day, I became a computer geologist—if that's such a thing—and I've always stayed around the hour of, of computers because I, I really wasn't a very good geologist, to tell you the truth.
0: Um, that's that's a really big admission to make on uh, audio that will be you know here for eternity. <laughs> so, um, but uh, we're uh, really pleased that you're involved in the software end of things now. So. What have you noticed is the biggest challenge for geoscientific information management or GIM when you started in the industry? And I guess we should talk about, uh, you can address that either from when you started in the industry as a geologist or when you got into it from a software computer perspective. So what what were your original observations about GIM?
1: I guess GIM didn't exist when I started. And the difficulty to create a new concept is the education, right? So we had to go through a period of explaining why Excel wasn't a database in the early days. And that's a very different conversation to what what we do today. So now it's not about why can't I use Excel, it's about what gym solution do I actually opt for? Because the industry has changed in, in the terms of maturity to understand that the value added by, just, you know, by managing your geoscientific observations and measurements effectively, um, is too great to, to not take on. If not, you'll just be left behind. So, so yeah, I guess the biggest change in, is that is, it's really, the old days was educating people about why you needed to have something in place. Now it's about what you need to have in place and what are the uh, characteristics that would make you successful in adopting a solution. And that's really what what we do today is have conversations around that. So I think that's how it's changed.
0: Okay, excellent. So um, just give us some context, too, about uh, when you started. um, When you started, you said you started as a geologist and you moved into um, computers. But what do you... Um, from the time you started, and then what what do you see as the main challenges facing the natural resources industry today? So when you talked about education being uh, the thing that you, that is that is important, beginning when, when did you begin to see that
1: so I mean there was there was a big trend as well. Now that we have adoption, there was also a period of, of stability in the marketplace where people were just going in and saying the fundamentals of data management are important, and we're gonna reach that level where these fundamentals are mastered. What I believe is going on right now in the marketplace is that the trends of the digital um, data capture or digital sensors um, and other trends related to automation of knowledge, machine learning, are really beginning to change our marketplace in the minerals industry because the minerals industry has been a laggard and hasn't really adopted these techniques and they're coming into the marketplace and forcing this industry to have a a different conversation that we've had. So before I was kind of bitter and saying, well, we're never gonna change in the mining industry, you know, we're, we're stuck where we're at. But now I'm seeing, no, no, change is coming and it's gonna be coming very quickly. Um, in terms of you know new sensors being adopted and new workflows being adopted to accommodate those new sensors that are coming in so the challenges are quite different and adaptation is is quite crucial in this in this particular time
0: What do you think is the driver of that
1: change? Technology innovation you know like the the digital mind of the future the the plethora of people and startups who are just looking at how do I unbundle what used to be a single entity owning an entire workflow into different components of players who are trying to just take on the individual parts of the workflow. And they, you know, startups actually, you know, it's like bringing in innovation into the industry. That's what's driving these change. And the old established players, are um, you know are going are are having to actually work and take on these new innovative ways of working um, and have them participate because there's no way of keeping them out we just you know those who don't want to play nice with others will not make it in this industry
0: okay excellent i'm um i'm glad you mentioned innovation and it's something that we've talked about a lot in this podcast and it's become a a buzzword in the industry. Now, you've been in Perth recently to participate in the Unearth Demo Day. Um, And that's a a movement, I think almost, that celebrates innovation in the global resources sector. And also showcasing the emerging startups in Australia. Now, we had a a director from Unearth join us on this podcast a little while ago, Zane Prickett. And he gave us some really great insights into their hackathon program. Um, and what startups are doing that are interesting, what were some of the highlight lights from the demo day from your perspective
1: Well i mean you know, I, I really admire the initiative that Nearth has because they 're doing something that maybe is is not really appearing um, in the surface, which is they 're educating people about hey, it is possible to bring innovation into the mining industry. so I think I see first and foremost that the biggest value they 're bringing is Educating the public and having a conversation that reaches us all in the industry about How we can do things differently and drive innovation. So I I guess that's that's kind of the first point there Um, What I saw is just enormous potential, you know, there's just Six amazing startups with six amazing ideas that will have the opportunity to revolutionize how we do things however one of the things that was mentioned at the event that, that just stuck with me is what is the definition of a startup? And I'm, I'm probably going to butcher the definition as per, t- per, per the way that they expose it. But they said basically a startup is a temporary organization that is testing a business model. It's not a small company. It's not an SME. It's not, you know, a, a, an organization that's going to work. It's just basically something that is set out to test a new idea and concept. So when you're doing that in the mining industry and the mining industry is, you know, vendor competence is a major thing. Um, the, The cycle to sell into any site is about six years to a month. So when you have these contrasting initiatives, something that's basically trying to test the business model and the mining industry here not able to receive it then that's also a conversation that that I'm really interested in seeing how it's going to play out. And what Unearth is doing is that they're forcing the mining industry to educate themselves about startups and this ecosystem and how it could really give them a competitive advantage. And the mining industry is listening. If you go to all the majors, they have departments of innovation with, with budgets of in the millions of dollars. And they're using those budgets very wisely. To tackle some of these initiatives, but the big challenge is how do you make that ecosystem part of the entire ecosystem, uh, you know, system and and uh, have it add value. So that's
0: excellent. It sounds like it was a really interesting uh, event. Now I, I, I want to go back uh, to get some perspective from you a little bit on the global mining industry. Now you've been, you've lived in different places around the world, you're based in North America, in the US, but you do a lot of travel to South America as well. Um, are you seeing some of these challenges we've talked about um, today across the industry or are they global challenges or are, do you see, do you see the problems and the um, issues that miners are dealing with different, in different regions?
1: Yeah, it was it was really fascinating this downturn because what what I saw happening was it kind of hit Australia first, but South America was doing going going great. I mean, for the for the first 2 years in Australia, South America was still going very strong. And North America kind of like never was affected. They were just continuously to run. And I think what happened is that At the last downturn in North America, they cut to the level that they were producing very efficiently and they didn't ramp up. And so basically what happened is that it allowed them to remain stable and investment remained stable during this downturn. And there's still been a lot of activity in North America, in my opinion. Um, In Australia, I think that on the contrary, when there was the upswing, there was just an enormous amount of pressure. On the prices of the people and uh, commodities used to produce uh, you know to produce whatever gold or or iron ore, and therefore we had to cut and then the the dip was 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 way bigger and why South America I think is being affected now is is really associated to to the copper price that 's really what what began to affect it um, yeah, so, so I guess those those are kind of some of the observations that, that I can make with respect to what I saw globally.
0: Excellent. Now, we're seeing that, um, especially with the downturn in South America, the Australian Institute of Geoscientists published an article that showed employment prospects for geoscientists have been improving gradually between June and September of this year, 2016, Um do you think things are improving in Australia, or is the impact that we're seeing in other regions going to affect the global market? I mean, is copper going to have a knock-on effect into Australia, or do you think that the uh, mining industry is is getting smarter and they will be more on an even keel?
1: Um, this, this downturn, I think, as well, the upswing is really being driven by one commodity price. Like, where everybody's seeing it is in gold, right? Like, gold right now, is everyone is drilling everybody's investing and there's a lot of potential there um and, and i guess iron ore is now coming up but because the investment was so big in iron ore i just don't see that upswing coming out in that major commodity which is Australia's major export or uh, one of the major exports um but gold is pushing so anything that's gold in australia i think is what's driving that that upswing and worldwide um, in terms of, of the unemployment, yeah, I've been looking at those numbers as well from the from the IAG, and those are very encouraging because it's a, it's a trend. It's a consistent trend rather than a blip. And so it does look like things are going to be on the upswing. Now, the big question is, will we this time learn, right? Like, are we going to go on the upswing, rehire one at, you know, $300,000 salaries and then suffer the consequences in three years when we can't support those costs? That's the fundamental question. So hopefully with innovation, with these new initiatives that we have in innovation, we'll be smart enough that we won't have to bring in that many people at that many sal- those high salaries that are unsustainable, but rather we can actually begin to balance that with uh, just efficiencies in the processes and um, yeah, driving efficiencies.
0: So given all that, Fed, how do you think geos- why do you think geoscientific information management is important and why, why, uh, what can it do to help miners?
1: Well, the fundamental observations and measurements, the single source of the truth that geoscientific information management is managing is the basis for all this innovation and efficiencies to be driven. Without the fundamental data... Then you can't do anything of the anything else, right? So, it's the fundamental building block that is going to enable big data analysis, machine learning, you know, all these efficiencies that we're actually trying to drive. You need this consolidated, validated, single source of the truth. And if you haven't been on this journey to adopt Jim, and you aren't prepared for this, then you won't be able to get on that bandwagon. I mean I, I I remember talking to customers that basically say, "Oh yeah, yeah we have this this consultant they're coming in they're going to be aggregating their data so we can mine it and get wonderful insights that are going to drive productivity in our operations. They try to do it a million and a half dollars later can't do it because the data was bad. the raw observations and measurements were bad, so those insights are basically you know not valid and The old familiar saying of, you know, trash in, trash out, I guess, remains a reality even in today.
0: Is there a case to be made for investing in something like gym and gym technology, even in a downturn?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, even the downturn is where you should be actually preparing yourself because you know the cyclic nature of the industry, right? You know it's going to go up again. You know that people are going to need the commodity. So the right time to invest is during the low cycle where you have the headspace to actually prepare everything. When the upturn is going, you're just going crazy and you don't have time to think about these things. Um, I, I just recently saw the, the commodity price for, for a company called Tech Cominco. They were $2 at the beginning of two thousand and. and And 16. They're $27 today. And I looked at that when it was $2, and I basically said, you know, it's obvious that this investment is a very prudent investment because people are going to need, you know, these commodities. And this is a company that's positioned itself within the mining industry and is very, very relevant. So I just can't understand how a company would be like that would be valued at $2. And fair enough, you know, like you could see that. It was obvious um, that that trend. Came back so again you know and, and i think that's what they were doing they were investing during that period of make sure make sure that their fundamentals were right and when you know the commodity prices started to go up they're able to harness those those fundamentals that they put in place
0: okay um, just a, let's do a little bit of blue sky thinking now, what, what do you think the industry will look like in 10 years from now, especially if we keep on this trend of innovation and the big, the majors are starting to put money behind innovation, startups are starting to get a little bit of a, um, uh, traction within the organization. So what, what do you, what do you see happening in 10 years or what would you like to see happen in 10 years?
1: I think that the ecosystem will change where instead of one single player owning the entire value chain where they, you know, you have the material movement system and the gym and the mind planning system and the environmental system all owned by a single entity, it's actually going to unbundle. So instead of bundling I think what we're going to see is an unbundling of the industry of going to best and breed systems, where the gyms are going to be independent of the general mine planning systems, which are going to be independent of the other systems in the mine operations. But what's going to have the transformation that's going to happen is that connectivity and, um, I guess, protocols for communication are going to be enabled. So all these best of breed technologies can actually talk to each other in that Ten-year future, and that is really going to enable us to look at things in different ways because you're going to have specialists in each of these fields, which are looking at the problems in different ways. Because you know, like if you're trying to solve the entire problem, you can't be as innovative if you're just looking at one particular part of the problem. Just you don't have the the mindset, you know. But yeah, specialization is uh, is is a fundamental. Change that I that I that I believe is going to come into play, and the unbundling of the industry into best of breed players, uh, and that's a trend that we've we've began to see as well.
0: So specialization and uh, niche solutions working together. Correct. Excellent. Um, what what's getting you excited about the mining industry and the natural resources industry right now?
1: Everything. I just think that this is such an amazing time to be part of this industry because the potential is so enormous you know it hasn't been really reaped that potential and being part of that transformation is so exciting for us and and seeing how we can help and make a difference and add value and you know assist our, our clients in as part of that transformation is so exciting and, and we actually are very well positioned to do that so I guess that makes it even more, more relevant for us, you know, that we can really drive change and make a difference. That, that gets me out of bed every day and wants me, you know, makes me want to do better.
0: Well, that's really great to hear. So thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you in the future about what's happening, especially around the innovation side of mining.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much for having me.
0: You've been listening to Acquire's podcast, The Gym Channel.
1: Find us at acquire.com.au.